the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmsted, your host, and my special guest today is Joey Salas. He's the pastor at Belltown Church in Seattle. And Joey, welcome to Heart of the City. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's good to meet you. I, you know, I, I love doing this program because I get to meet all sorts of interesting people. Some of them have been longtime friends. Mm. Others are folks that I meet for the first time, and, and you're one of those first-time people. Yes, sir. <laughs> you and I have some mutual friends and some pastors that uh, we both know. And uh, we connected, and uh, when you walked into the studio today, I said to you, you know, we're not going to kind of have a formal introduction with each other and get to know each other. We're just going to do that on the air. I like to do that because yeah. we kind of discover the story uh, of uh, of people, and it's kind of organic, and that's the way I like to do interviews. I love that. That sounds great. <laughs> it is. It is. So uh, you and I just met. Yes, sir. And you are uh-huh. the pastor pioneering a church in Belltown. Tell yes. me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the church that we are starting is actually called Belltown Church. Um, it is it is on the uh, south border of Belltown, and what that means is essentially we are right in between downtown and Belltown. So a lot of people that come in that don't know Seattle, they say, well, you are really in downtown Seattle. And well, well, not technically because there are districts, but we are very, very close. And we've been in uh, Seattle for about a year and a half starting this church. My wife and I are actually co-lead pastors. So we've decided, you know, since we give our lives to each other as husband and wife, we might as well, let's pioneer this church together side by side. So... So have you been on staff at other churches uh, before to, before you launched into this? Or tell I, me a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, m- much of my life has, um, has really been following the call of God in season. And that has been kind of the marker of my life. Uh, a lot of people that, that I know, they say, you know, when I was a kid in church or in youth group, my pastor prophesied this blank over me. That actually never happened to me. Even in my relationship and coming to know Jesus, it was more of a season to season thing. And what that's meant for me was I had the sense of, okay, God, you're calling me somewhere. So what are you calling me to do? What does that look like? And overall, I would say, um, to answer your question, I think, my life has really been geared, or my passion for life has really been geared toward loving people to Jesus. Yeah, and I didn't grow up in the church, and when I get when I encountered the presence of Jesus, I was all in, and I had such a radical encounter that 
my life reoriented to essentially the call of bringing as many to Christ as I could under God's grace. So. Well, let's go back, because sure. typically on this program we start at the beginning with a story, and I, I didn't do that uh, this time, but let's go back and talk about uh, you know your childhood, where you sure. grew up, yeah. uh, you know what your life was like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in Gig Harbor, Washington, so I, I'm a... I'm a resident of the Pacific Northwest. I've been here pretty much my my entire life. Um, I grew up in a very large Pacific Islander family, one of nine kids. And I love all of my family, to, I mean, just to death. I, I love them so much. Um, but being a Pacific Islander family in such a large family, also a family that uh, did not grow up in the church, pretty pretty chaotic um you know whatever whatever your mind goes to in chaos i'm sure that's that was part of our family whether it was feuds between brothers and sisters or family members going down roads that led to destruction um my father was present but wasn't Mm. and that was namely the the centrality of what led me to faith was uh, an absent father, which led me to the reality of our heavenly father. Mm. Um, and so that was that's kind of my upbringing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your mom, did she have any kind of, you know, you know faith uh, yeah, I guess practice? So. But it wasn't super formal, huh? Yeah, exactly. I, I would say she was definitely a faith person. But faith in who or faith in what, you know, I believe in God, but... Which God. Right. Um, and so she definitely had an attributing faith, I'd say, for all of her life. Um, we were people from the island of Guam. And so Guamanians or the people of uh, the people of Guam would would say, yeah, I'm Catholic because um, that's the main religion in uh, on the island. But what does that actually mean? Were they practicing Catholics or did they just associate to a religion? And that's. Often the latter one is often how our family just are re- related to faith was, yeah, I'm Catholic. We just yeah. throw it out there. So you said you know have it, not having a father that was present started to stir these these thoughts within you about uh, a heavenly father. How old were you when when you started thinking about more uh, spiritual things, if you will, or started to <laughs> contemplate that there must be something more than this? Yeah, this is actually a really really silly story. But a group of friends and I and I had just watched, had just finished watching the original Lion King in the '90s. And there's a scene in the Lion King. This is not scripted, so we did not rehearse this at <laughs> no, all. No, no. Uh, but I just remember after watching this specific scene in Lion King, where you know uh, um, Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa, they're all laying down in the grass, and they're looking up at the stars. And one of the characters turns and asks, have you ever wondered what those stars meant? And they all start talking about what the stars meant. And essentially, uh, essentially, um, one of the characters says, you know what? My dad told me that those stars were kings of old. And so that's really where something started to stir within me of, wow, there's something that exists that's bigger than me. And that something is something that I want because... That fatherless presence in my life 
was working something in me, searching for something bigger than what I knew at the at the time. Hmm. Yeah. How old were you at that time? I, I would say I was nine. Wow. Yeah. So you started thinking some big thoughts at a ni- as a nine-year-old. Pre- well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that, you know, I, I'm not – I wasn't so much of an intellectual. Right. Uh, even to this day, I wouldn't really say I'm so much of an intellectual. And so as a young kid, I was more about – I mean, just a typical 90s kid. I wanted to go out and run the forest, run the woods, and let my imagination roll, you know? And so it, less than me thinking of God, it was almost like God started to awaken something in me at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's so what what's so wonderful about God is that he yeah. is always faithful, and, and our stories are always about him Drawing uh, himself to us, exactly. drawing us to himself, rather. Yeah. And the, the fact is that he's continually doing that, whether we're aware of it or not. The heavens declare the glory of God. Exactly. The, the, within our heart, there's this yearning for God, isn't there? Yeah. And so uh, we recognize that even for five-year-olds or six-year-olds or nine-year-olds watching a, a movie, can can something can be stirred within them. Exactly. Yeah, that that classic verse that says, draw near to me as I've drawn near to you. Mm-hmm. And that really became a marker for my, my childhood, even though, um, you know, fast forward to when I first did hear the gospel preached at the age of 16, I had never heard the gospel. But something, Living in Gig Harbor. Living in Gig Harbor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, it just there, there weren't some churches around or other Christians. Well, or you, you just didn't really. You knew that they were around, but you just really didn't hear it explained. You, you know what? I, I, uh, I knew of churches, and you know we had gone to a Catholic church for a majority of my childhood, but there was a large gap to where we stopped going to Catholic church, and and, and part of the reason why we stopped going to Catholic church was. Um, you know that's a, that's a whole other story, but I, I was I was aware of church, but no one ever approached me and said, "Hey, I see you're going through a hard time. Can I pray for you?" No one ever approached me and you know and said, "Hey, you know, have you heard of Jesus?" In a in a in a way that's not you know uh, obtrusive of my space and my right. whatever. And so I, I never really heard the gospel until I was 16. Huh? And it was completely foreign to me. Interesting. And so. How did that come about when you heard the gospel? Yeah, so I was a typical, you know, new high schooler. And I went to a a really well-known high school in Washington State, Peninsula High School. We were known for our athletics. We were known for our our choir program and our music program. So I got plugged into all of the programs. Um, You know, I was an athlete growing up, and I was also a very very musical, come from a very musical family. So I found that I, I landed in all three of those, and I saw the elitism in all of those. And in that, I was like, I want to become popular. Uh, as I'd say most most young high schoolers do. So within that, um, looking back, I could see the hand of God in it. But one of the most popular kids on campus who also had his feet dabbled in athletics and the musical department was a man named uh, Chris Elliott. And he came up and he said, Joey, what are you doing tonight? And my words back to him, I said, 
whatever you're doing. <laughs> because he was this cool senior and I was this young cat who wanted to be like him. You know, he was brown and I was brown and right. that was really foreign in Gig Harbor at the time. Right. Um, even in the day and age of the makeup of Gig Harbor right now, it's like it's, it's predominantly Anglo-American. And so being of the minority, I saw him being this popular guy who and who had a lot of friends, a lot of fame. And I, I'm like, I want to follow after him. <laughs> so I said, whatever you're doing tonight, Chris, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so eventually he, um, he picked me up. Monday night and he took me to Young Life and at Young Life I went to what they called club which is essentially uh, you know essentially a hangout right let's go to club let's go hang out and so we went and did club every Monday um, for about a, a full school year and I, I had not heard the gospel message until a year later hmm yeah so when you heard it what happened? <laughs> was it I'm like an immediate like I need this? Was it just uh, yeah? What happened? It was it was so the we went to a, a young life retreat down in Oregon, and the first night of the retreat, um, it was a Friday night, and it was the you know if you've grown up in church and you've heard any type of gospel call, it was the it was the classic gospel call, but I didn't respond that night. I felt something stir in me, and it was like all of these puzzle pieces starting to come together. But I've always been a very genuine person, and I've always been a leader. So I never – even though I knew something might have been true, I wanted it to be true for me. I didn't want to just associate to something because other people were doing it. Mm-hmm. So that Friday night, I had seen so many of my friends essentially go to the altar and fall to their knees and give their lives to Jesus. But that wasn't my story. It, my story actually continued to Saturday night. And it was Saturday night. Um, it was the, actually the last night of this retreat. And the, 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 the room was dim, just as classic youth groups are. You know, music's really loud and bumping. And the worship leader, I'll never forget it. The worship leader just stopped the worship. And he said, I feel like there's still some people in here that did not respond to the call yesterday. And then he started talking about this heavenly father who loves us. Mm. And that was it for me. That was it. You know, growing, growing up in a home of, you know, being in a home where there's a, a father who is there but not. And a father who um, I knew he loved me, but I wasn't convinced of it. Just because of the dynamics of our home, right. it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty frail. It was um, pretty broken. Uh, just to imagine a typical Christian, unChristian home. Yeah, it was chaotic. Yeah, you ex- told me it was, it was chaotic. Yeah, exactly. Ways, yeah. And so it was that Saturday night that that I, uh, after hearing the, um, essentially the call of this this worship leader, uh, it, I said, you know what. I started to open up my heart and I said, this is it. This is, this is what I want. I, I, I saw the beauty of the cross the night before, but it was, really in the, it was really in an encounter with the Father on Saturday night that, led, that, that changed my life. I, um, I had been radically encountered by God, by the love of God in that moment. Um, so much so that it was so tangible for me that 
Um, I was on my knees and it felt like this out of body experience. It's something that um, today I could put language to, but back then it was completely foreign to me because I had no biblical experience or church experience. It was this out of body experience to where I had snot coming down my nose. <laughs> I, had eye, I had tears pouring out my eyes. But at the same time, there was this literal hand on my shoulder. And I, um, and I felt a very nearness of God's presence in that moment. So much so that I, I opened up my eyes after I had kind of fleshed out this experience of God in my life. And I opened up my eyes and... No one was around me. I was by myself. I actually thought that it was one of my friend friend's hands on my shoulder. Because mm. at that moment, it was a year later, and I had exceeded in the musical department and sports athletic department. So I, I had a lot of friends at that point. I, I, could, I would say I was popular. You know, People would right. say I was popular. And so I just thought it was a friend consoling me in that moment, and it wasn't. It was wow. a tangible presence of our Father. Isn't the presence of God so uh, – I, cool is not the right word to say. <laughs> but it, I mean, the presence of God is an awesome thing when, when someone experiences that, especially for – when they recognize that it is the presence of God. The reality is the presence of God has been with you. Yeah. You know, your yes. whole life. Yeah. But, but then to experience that as you confess and recognize your need for him, yeah. how then that becomes, uh, you, you sense that presence. You know he's with you. Yeah. It's an incredible experience to, to know that and to sense that. It really is. So what happened after that? So did your behaviors <laughs> change? Did, did, did someone see a new creature in Christ when you oh, stepped man. away from that Saturday experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that was, I was a new person. That was that was it. The old, behold, the the old has has gone and the new has come. Um, that was, I mean, that is that seems pretty preachy, but that was so true of me. The very next day, I went home. I started talking about it. I started telling my mom about it, and then I went to school and I started telling my friends about it. Hmm. And God is my witness. I, I, I could call out – I could call people on my phone right now and tell you that I would be in the lunchroom with this Bible that I've never read before and I would start telling people about it. And literally during lunchtime, our, I think it was like a 40-minute lunchtime or something like that, on these awkward lunch tables that were super long. You know, they just, It seems like jail type. You know? they just, <laughs> they're just throwing all of these high schoolers at these awkward long lunch tables. These lunch tables would be filled with, with young people wanting to hear about this, this God of love, this God of love. And that's, that's all I had known was this, this God who was a father that deeply loved me. Because that's all that I heard of the gospel was this worship leader said, you know, come home to a heavenly father who loves you. You don't have to be perfect. He's perfect. And he started, you know, rehearsing the good news over my life. And I started to um, essentially tell people of the things that he rehearsed that Saturday night. Wow. Yeah. How about home? What'd your mama think? <laughs> uh, did they see a change in behavior? They sure did. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I was, I, I, I never got caught up in the party scene as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a, 
a good head on my shoulders. Um, I, I, you know, throughout all of my my life, I never really got caught up in any really tragic scenes, you know, like drug right. scenes or right. um, alcohol scenes. Um, I never really went down those roads. I've had moments of, of, of I guess, you know, Tempting. prodigal moments, right. absolutely, right. of just kind of fleshing out my own self. And, mm-hmm. um, and God brought me back home. But I'd say, you know, my, my, my home life saw it. And I was actually just sharing this with uh, my, my, tr- my community group, this week was when I gave my life to Christ, there was a composition journal that um, no one told me to do this. But in the back of this composition journal that week, and I went home and wrote a list of names that I wanted to believe for those people to come to know Jesus. And um, in those list of names were my family mem- members, of course. Right. And over the, over the f- school year, I had prayed for them. Again, no one told me to do this. I had just I had just been so radically encountered by the love of God that I said, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. And so um, I started praying for each of those people. And over nine months, every single one of them had come to know Christ. And that included, you know, that that included me actually going talking to them about yeah. Jesus yeah. and the love of God. But it was really me hidden in my prayer closet praying for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're speaking to uh, Joey Salas. He is the pastor at uh, Belltown Church in uh, Seattle. Joey, we've just got about three minutes left. So when, when the Lord started speaking to you about starting this church here in Seattle, what was he saying to you? There's other churches around. Yeah. What are you going to go in Belltown for? You know, what, <laughs> what did he say? That's so good. I, I, I would say that to boil it down to what the Lord called us as he called us to Belltown was to be a people after his presence. And, you know, there's a lot of great churches in Belltown. Actually, I wouldn't say there's a lot. There are few <laughs> just churches in general. There mm-hmm. aren't a lot of churches in Belltown. Um, so much so that we were actually able to get the URL belltownchurch.com. You know, that is how few there are churches in Belltown. Um, But when he did call my wife and I to start a church in Belltown, he really called us to come around his presence. And what that means was to believe for a people to come home to his love, to his power and to his goodness, that people could be healed and loved in this place of of Belltown Church. Yeah. Yeah. And your wife, uh, her name is? Hannah. Hannah. So so Hannah kind of co-pastors with you. Yes, sir. So what's your congregation like as you're just starting up? uh, Is it young, old, uh, an eclectic mix of of what? Yeah, it's a it's an eclectic mix of 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 young and old, Uh but predominantly young right now. It's Uh uh, I would say uh, young and working working class. So we're. 20s and 30s and we've you know we have a few people here and there that are um that are older right. <laughs> that's <laughs> all right you can you say never that. know how to say it without <laughs> offending someone yeah. well i'm i'm one of the older ones so i i know i totally understand it yeah. so so if someone wants to uh get a hold of you or learn more about your story uh how can they do that yeah you could go to our website 
belltownchurch.com, just as it sounds, belltownchurch.com, or go ahead and send us an email at info at belltownchurch.com. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the best ways to get a hold of us. Well, uh, as we are wrapping up here, Joy, I'd just like for you to pray for us. I'd love for you to pray for this city and uh, and just uh, uh, give a blessing over those that are listening today. Sure. Well, Father, I, I thank you that um, you are drawing near to every single person in this city, whether those that know you or those that are far from you. The reality is, is that you are a perfect Heavenly Father who loves us and you're drawing near. So I pray just in this moment for everyone that is watching. And Lord, for those that are even aren't watching, I pray that you would draw near by your goodness and your love. We love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. But Joey, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to hear this broadcast again, you can go to thewordseattle.com, click on local programs and Heart of the City, and you can hear Joey's story there. God bless you. Thanks so much. been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com.